Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home where you're comfortable and warm and not in our pews while we're preaching. So you can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty important. Intergenerational interactions in the community, the support and encouragement that that brings, really beautiful music, charming children, and of course, the goodies at coffee hour. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors here in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, and we are not preaching experts. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home, or working, or are coaching your dog's Olympic team, maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. So every episode is a conversational version of a sermon that, yes, we actually gave to our churches on Sundays. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up or put on your running shoes or whatever it is that you do while you're listening to podcasts and receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And we have a a note we like to make sure that we say with every podcast, and that is we don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. In fact, we hope you don't, because we want you to be thinking, to be contemplating what God is saying to you in our words and in your heart and in your thoughts, because that's what we believe. We believe that God is working in each one of us, and we want you to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience some of the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God as you consider this. All right. So... I have not preached for the last two weeks in my church. Brag, humble brag, hashtag humble brag. Hashtag humble brag. brag. I haven't preached. The, the first week I wasn't going to preach because I was away at a youth conference, Youth FX Extreme, Faith Ooh. Extreme. It's very exciting stuff when they give it like a fancy name like that. Yes. And, you know, so I was hanging out with a bunch of youth uh, in California and preaching for them for the weekend. But in the midst of that, Reno experienced... Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon, Floodmageddon. So we had snow. It was really Floodmageddon. So for those of you who don't know the geography of Reno, we are on the eastern side of the Sierras, right at the foot of the mountains, which means when there's a ton of snow, the river runs a little higher. When there's a ton of snow and then there's a ton of rain that comes on top of the snow, the river floods. And that affects all of downtown Reno, including my church. So we had sandbags and no people on Sunday preparing for this Reno weather phenomenon uh, that we get every once in a while. So they didn't have church either. Well, I'd arranged for a sub-preacher who had written this sermon and had put all this work into it, Elwood Miller. So you had to let him him preach it, I had to let him preach it. So he preached on Sunday, which means I also didn't preach on Sunday. So I'm going to share a sermon that I gave to this youth conference because I think it works. Yeah. I think it works for us. I, and I hope that the adults can just be okay with that. I think the the adults will be okay with that. Sometimes we got to hear all the, the basic stuff again, but I think I would guess that you challenge these kids quite a bit. So I, I try to. I usually try to. I'm so, sure. I'm sure we will we will be edific, edificated right along with them. That's a terrible word. I don't know what the word is, but that's a, I Edu- like it. Edumacated. Edumacated. Edutained. Edutained? Ooh. Edutained. Edutainment. So this is the third sermon of four sermons. 
And the first sermon was really focusing around Genesis and how God made people on purpose and thought that they were not just good, but oh, so very good. Oh, so very good. And I think we have to start there, particularly with kids, but also as adults. We have to start with what you were saying in the last podcast. Hey, saints. Hey, saints. You're saints. Live into that. It's all very good. Yeah. Oh, so very good. Oh, so very good. So we started there. And then the second one was talking about John the Baptist, who we've talked about extensively recently in the podcast. So you can go back and listen to those sermons about repent and rethinking and being aware of how you're using your time and energy and all that. And, uh, And recognizing what your gifts are. And so for these kids, it was really about recognizing your gifts and then figuring out how they might overlap with the needs of the world and finding your call in that place. Nice. In that cross section. Yeah. This is the third sermon. This was Saturday night sermon. And as I got to know these kids, as I got to know these these adults that were there this weekend, one of the things that became apparent to me is there was a lot of anxiety among some of them, particularly about potential pastoral changes oh. in their communities. Okay. Okay. So whether their pastors were retiring or whether their church could no longer afford a full-time pastor and they were going to lose the pastor they had so somebody else could come in, whatever that was. There was a lot of anxiety around that and a lot of preemptive grief. Yep, there often is in the community. So I told them a story about when when my pastor moved away when I was a teenager and also about when Jesus left his disciples Mm -hmm. and they had to find a new way of being. So this is from John 14. Okay. Um, But my story was I went away. I studied abroad in college. Mm-hmm. And while I was abroad, my youth pastor, my she was the associate pastor of the church. She did a lot of things, but among them youth group and really grounded us in our faith. I don't remember most of the things that she said. But you remember the experience, the, the whole the I remember when she, cumulative effect. I remember when she sat in the circle with us, it felt like Jesus was there. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, I remember when you were getting in trouble, she would raise her eyebrow that she had drawn on about half an inch too high. <laughs> underneath her blonde feathered bangs and she would say don't go there don't go there and if you really pushed it she would say don't even go there (laughs) because there were only two consequences for youth group one was she'd go outside and pray with you and the second one was you weren't allowed to come back and so don't go there was sort of your warning shot right so I remember that I remember that she wore bright yellow and it was not flattering but she wore it anyway because she loved it why not yeah and I remember that her bible was so worn that her anniversary gift from her husband one year was getting it rebound in bright yellow oh, wow. leather. Yellow wow. leather. That's great. Um, yeah. And because it would just fall apart because she read her Bible all, all the, time. the time. And she had us so centered in scripture all the time. And her name was Jody Hannah Krantz. She was the coolest. And she announced that she was leaving and then left while I was gone. Aww. So I'm in Spain. I'm thousands of miles away. And I find out that my youth pastor is leaving. So, I, you know, I sent some stuff to other youth who were still there for them to share on behalf of the youth group. But I didn't really get to say goodbye. Right. So when I came home, the first time I sat in my family pew. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> my family pew. I know exactly where your family pew in is. In Merced, California. In the back on the left side. We were in the middle of worship and I just kept waiting for her head to pop up over the lectern. And it didn't. And it never did. And it, and I just remember it feeling hollow. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that is how the disciples were feeling. Yeah. Like this person who had been so important to them to developing their life with God, uh, to developing their call, to developing who they are as saints, saints. all yeah. of that, is no longer with them in the way that they expect or yeah. is about to no longer be with them in the way that they expect. And Jesus knows this is going to happen. So he's 
delivering his incredibly lengthy final sermon to them in the book of John. Yep. This is from chapter 14, and I'm reading out of the message because that's what's in front of me. Jesus says, believe me, I am in my father and my father is in me. And if you can't believe that, believe what you see. Hmm. These works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. So if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend with a capital F in the message, the Holy Spirit, so that you will always have someone with you. And this friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he has been with you and will even be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. Now, he says basically the same thing over and over again for about three chapters. Well, because sometimes we need to hear things over and over again. Over and over again, because we don't get them all the time. And if you don't believe that people don't get them, just read anything that the disciples did or said during Jesus' ministry. But that's that was the most succinct, boiled-down version of it I could extract. Okay. Love one another. Mm-hmm. Do this work. Yep. And in doing this work, you will continue to experience my love. My love. My presence with you, even if it's not in the way that you were expecting. Right. So for all these kids who are expecting to lose this person who's been important to them in their faith, I wanted to share with them that, yeah, you know what? Faith goes on. Yes. Even And that's our Methodist system is built on itineracy so that pastors move and churches are not dependent on pastors. And we recognize that we don't confuse our pastors with God. Yeah. And that's all real important. Really important. So I don't know about you, but I'm not God. (laughs) I have God-like days. (laughs) There's moments. I have have moments of Jesus-iness. But I don't think anybody has ever confused me for Jesus in a prayer circle. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's happened yet. I don't know if Jesus wore spike heels and leather jackets. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Um, Maybe he did. They probably weren't. invented in the same way they didn't have drag back in the day oh that's depressing in any case (sighs) anyway jesus wants to reassure his disciples that by doing this work they will still continue to experience his presence with them and so my thought when i read it this time was well what does that even mean love one another because it could be real sentimental and sappy it means it means giving valentines to everybody in your class right oh it means pink bedazzled t-shirts for breast cancer awareness right because no, no. What, what? So what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean to love one another? So I thought, well, if these are my scriptures, mm-hmm. like, let's look at Jesus's scriptures. Let's look at the scripture Jesus was reading and figure right. out what he thought love Meant. was. So then we flip back to Micah. Oh, Micah. And this is a very famous scripture that you all will recognize if I can find it. Micah 6 is talking about what does God need from us? What does God expect from us? What does God require from us? Listen now, listen to God. 
Take your stand in court. If you have a complaint, tell the mountains, make your case to the hills, and now mountains, hear God's case. Listen, jury earth, for I am bringing charges against my people. I am building a case against Israel. Dear people, how have I done you wrong? Have I burdened you, worn you out? Answer. I delivered you from a bad life in Egypt. I paid a good price to get you out of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, and Aaron, and Miriam to boot. Remember what Balak, king of Moab, tried to pull, and how Balaam, son of Beor, turned the tables on him? Remember all those stories about Shittim and Gilgal. Keep God's salvation stories fresh and present. How can I stand before God and show proper respect? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would God be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. And it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. The more familiar translation is, What does the Lord require of you but to seek justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God? This is what love means. So I wanted to break down sort of these three parts of love for these kids. And since I find that giving them the opportunities to shout is often helpful, they I made them shout Helps out. Helps keep them awake. Keeps them awake. <laughs> Maybe uh, embeds it in a little I'm, deeper in their brain. When I'm making them learn Hebrew. It keeps them awake. And so I wanted them to learn these three Hebrew words that mm-hmm. I think are important. So the first one is mishpat. Mishpat. Okay. Mishpat. You can all practice saying that at home. Ready? Mishpat. We can be like the people who do language learning on the subway. And <laughs> they're saying things like, I do not want to pay that much for the fish in the marketplace. Um, and lots of things that will come in handy in everyday life. Mishpat. Justice. In the Hebrew scriptures, it's not always how we use the word justice now. We use the word justice now to talk about how people should get what they deserve. Mm, right. And what they've earned. Just, uh, if you do something bad, we're going to make sure you get what you deserve. Right. And that's justice. That's what all the superheroes care about. But in scripture, justice is not about what you deserve. Justice is about what you need. Mm. And it's a huge difference. So mishpat, justice, is about seeing what people need instead of getting hung up on what you think they deserve. Right. So this, it's much more in the restorative justice kind of way. Much more in the restorative justice and making sure everybody has what they need and everybody gets along and everybody has work and everybody has enough food and right. place to live and is not. And it's also, it also, you can see it as, as looking at justice, not as the individual reaction, but as the, the big picture, mm-hmm. right? Like the justice is, is not really about what happens between you and me. Right. It's about what happens in our whole, the whole system. In the whole system. Right. Whole, the, what, yeah. Which sometimes means that you and I have to work something out. Right. Right. But, but that it's really about how it affects everybody. So it's, it's family systems theory is justice. Okay. It's what you need versus what you deserve. And the image that I love for this is the image of the, the three guys who are trying to see over a fence. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what's on the other side. I'm going to say there's a baseball game on the other side. They want to see over the fence. And one of the guys is real short. And one of the guys is sort of average height. And one of the guys is real tall. Mm-hmm. And the real tall guy can see over the fence. Right. And the real short guy can't see over the fence at all. And then the middle guy, he can jump. He, he can jump and see over the fence, right? What's fair is to give everybody a box to stand on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you give the tall guy a box, what changes for him? 
Nothing. Nothing changes. He can still see over the fence. If you give the medium guy a box, what changes for him? He can see over the box. He can see, see over, over the, the fence. fence. If you give the short guy a box, what changes for him? Nothing. He still, he still can't, can't see over, see over the, fence. the fence. He still can't see over the fence. So so it's a way of saying giving people what's fair is not actually going to be helpful in changing right. what people need. Right. So what's just right. as opposed to what's fair right. is to not give the tall guy a box because he doesn't need it. Right. To give the middle guy a box because it improves his mm-hmm. life significantly. Right. And to give the little guy two boxes so that he can actually see over the fence. And then... They're all at the same eye line. They can right. all see the. They can all see over the fence. They can all see the game. Right. So justice is not about punishing people. It's about lifting people up. Mm. Yeah. So that's the first part of love for Jesus, according to Micah. The first part of love is seeing that is seeing that that what there are things there, that there are things that need to be changed. Particularly when we're comfortable, we're not always willing to see what other people need. Right. We fear it might take away something that we need or we'll feel guilty about having what we need when somebody else doesn't. But having the courage to look. Right. The courage to look and to not be afraid that it might cost us something. Yeah. So that's the, that's the first part. The second part is Seneca. Seneca? Seneca. It's T-Z-E-D-A-K-A-H. Okay. Seneca. Seneca is right action. If Mishpat is seeing what people need. Tzedakah is saying, and I'm willing to do my part mm, okay. to make a difference. Right. It's righteousness. Righteousness. It's integrity. It's it's standing up and not just talking with your mouth, but talking with your hands and your wallet and your time and your energy. Mm-hmm. It's doing your part. So I often talk about when uh, Jesus is heading into Jerusalem, these disciples are arguing about who's the best and who's the greatest right. and all, who gets to sit next to Jesus in heaven. Right. Um, and on Wednesdays, we wear pink. The disciples are having this stupid, inane argument and Jesus tells them off. And then they get closer to Jerusalem, where Jesus is going to be staging this kind of final week of his life. And he sends two disciples into town to bring back a donkey's colt. Right. That has never been ridden before. And I would love it if the two disciples that he sent into town were the same two who were arguing about <laughs> who was the best. Right. Because fetching a donkey is not glamorous work. Not at right? all. Because they don't like to go anywhere. If they've never been ridden, if they haven't been trained, if they haven't, they, they are not used to being told even, what to do. Even trained ones are not very friendly. And they kick and they hurt you and they resist and you have to push and And, you're, and you have to be, you're, you're constantly needing to pull them off balance. And so they're not very excited about that. Yeah. And they, and they begin to hate you and resent you. And it's yeah. fair. And so uh, yeah. doing your part to Sometimes. make the big picture happen is not always glamorous. Not and actually I would argue most of the time is not glamorous. Most of the time is not glamorous. So like, Jesus doesn't call us to be glorified throne sitters in heaven. Jesus calls us to be donkey fetchers. Right. And to do our part of the work. And let me tell you, that's a hard sell. It's a hard sell because if I'm the tall guy, I don't want to give up my box. Well, even if I'm the medium guy, right? Like I I know that this guy can't see over the fence, but it's more comfortable for me to have the box. Right. Well, you know, then I have a place for my arm to lean. Yeah. To lean over the fence. Whatever it is. Well, and I, and I think we reinforce this in the church a lot because mm. of testimony. Oh, yes. And right? the people who have the big glamorous right. stories. Glamorous testimony, the dramatic stories, right? And that leave the rest of us going, uh, I don't have that. Yeah. I think about when I went to Hanford, the men's Bible study that met at 6 a.m. Good Lord. Good Lord. Would invite any new pastor in town to come speak to them. And they came and they said, they asked me, you know, 
when were you saved? And I looked at them like they were absolutely insane. Right? Every day. Every day, son. Every, every day. day. Well, every day. And I, and I was also like, and I grew up in the church. You want me to have some dramatic story so that so that I can say that... The, well, if you grew up in the church, you have to rebel and come back. Did you, right. Did you miss the memo? Uh, evidently, I missed the memo. <laughs> me too. Evidently, I was like... Hmm, My rebellion was going Why would I do that? Because I'm kind of the person who says... I don't need to hit my head against that wall. Somebody told me it was there. The reality is that the scripture is dramatic in other ways. It is well, not as dramatic. tells us the dramatic stories because they're so rare. Right. And, and then there's a million other characters in the scripture whose story we don't have because maybe it wasn't that spectacular, but we, they end yeah. up being super important anyway. Right. Well, you know, we have these stories about, you know, so-and-so who paid for X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's all we've got. Or we don't even have their name, but this group was supporting somehow, you know, yeah, that kind or, of thing. I mean, you think about the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus. You've got really good guys, and you've got really bad yeah, guys, guys, and you've got some sketchy women, and you've got some cool women, and then you've got a bunch of people whose names we don't know. Yeah, we're like, this just appears here. They're just here. These are the nobodies, and they're part of Jesus' yeah. family, too. Yeah. So so being the donkey fetcher. Donkey fetching may not get you into the history books, but, but it, will put you in the, it will put you in the midst of what God is doing. Yes, absolutely. So so mishpat, seeing the needs. Okay. Justice, seeing the needs. Tzedakah, right action, doing my part mm-hmm. to meet those needs. And the third part is, and this is the fun one to say, chesed. Chesed. Oh, no, no. You gotta, you gotta do the, come on. My tongue is not built for this. Chesed. Chesed. All right. Chesed. And this is mercy. Mercy. Okay. Mercy is doing things because they are worth doing and not because you think you're going to get anything out of them and not because anybody's going to give you glory for them and not because everybody's going to thank you for them. Mercy. I know. Mercy is saying, I will have grace for people. And I will do what I'm called to do, even if nobody else cares. Even if nobody else wants me to. And I will not seek vengeance against people who don't give me the respect I think I deserve. Mercy is about just because. Oh, this is a hard one. To love. Our, our entire culture is not built on this. No, our culture is built on accolades. Right. And, and achievements. And achievements and being made right by the fact that somebody else gets theirs. Yes. So when Jesus says... To love one another. Mm. Jesus is talking about mishpat, tzedakah, and chesed. Mm-hmm. Jesus is talking about justice, righteousness, and mercy. This is not sequined pink, glittery Valentine's Day cards. No. This is some <laughs> serious stuff. Actually, I want to see this Valentine's Day card. I know. <laughs> I have some justice Valentine's Day cards that are like the least romantic thing you've ever seen. But, but it's that's love, love right? right? Love is not about the you know the hot right. pink puppy stuff. It's about choosing to see each other, really mm-hmm. see each other, and choosing to do what we can to give each other a better quality of life, and not doing it because we expect to get anything out of it, except to be doing the work. To do the work of God is the reward for doing the work of God. This is not a political idea. This is not like no, me being a lefty isn't. liberal. This is not a no. conservative idea. This is not family values. This is religion this is the the heart of it for us is these three things and if we're not doing these three things our religion is empty right because it's not actually based in love it's based in patting ourselves on the back or status or yeah privilege all the things all the things so yeah to put these things first is really our work and it is work and it's work that's the other thing like i think we also have that myth that love is easy that seeps into the church that loving god should be easy Oof, yes and then people feel guilt because they don't have that romantic 
Yeah. <laughs> the lovey-dovey, like, emotional high that they expect that to have, that with... they've associated with God showing up or with falling in love or with right. whatever. Right. Do you need some chocolate if you need that? And then... Right. <laughs> and then come back to go this. Go for a run and then come back to this because this is the work. Yeah. Um, you can get those chemicals another way. But God is not dependent on your emotional state. I know. Watch out, world. Okay. What? So in order to drive this point home, mm-hmm. that love is is these three things and that these th- three things are the most important, I told this story that Fred Craddock tells okay. about, or uh, used to tell, rest in peace, Freddie. We miss you. We miss you so much. About a missionary family, a missionary family that was serving in China. And, you know, it was sort of illegal to be Christian Fish. in China. So... They get found out and the soldiers come to the door and the soldiers say, you need to leave the country. You have two hours. You may take 200 pounds worth of things. We will be back in two hours to take you away. Do you understand? And the missionary and his wife, you know, they both say, okay, we understand. The soldiers leave. And so they put a blanket out on the floor and they start to put into the blanket all of the things that they want to take with them. Hmm. And they start having these arguments about who wants to take what, right? He wants to take the typewriter because it's brand new and we can't waste the typewriter. And she wants to take... The vase, because her mother gave her that vase and it has emotional value. And they argue about which books they're going to take. And the kids are getting involved and the kids are arguing about which toys they want to take with, which ones they want to leave and which books they want to take and which ones they want to leave. And so the family starts screaming and yelling at each other and fighting and crying. And eventually they get it down to 200 pounds. The soldiers come back two hours on the dot and they come to the door and they say, are you ready to go? And the missionary couple say, yes, we are. And they say, do you have 200 pounds worth of things? And they say, yes, we do. The soldiers say, did you weigh the kids? And the missionaries look at each other. And all of a sudden, all of the stuff that they thought was important, the typewriter, the vase, the books, none of it matters. Because they didn't realize that this this was part of what counted. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, yeah, so they start chucking things left and right to make room for the kids because the soldiers say, weigh the kids. Right. Weigh the kids. That that's part of it. Part of it is the first things have to come first. Mm-hmm. And if these are the first things, then we begin to see through the lens once we start practicing these things that all of the other things that we think matter become much less important. Right. All of the status, all of the hoarding, all of the all of the things that we get yeah. stuck in because we sometimes accidentally conform to the ways of this world. Yep. All of those things can distract us. And there's that moment of truth and we have to realize that that's not actually what connects us to other people, but that justice and righteousness and mercy, those do. Yeah. And that's where we see the kingdom of God being built. And when we are grieving because we are going through changes that we cannot control, these are the things that remain the same. This is the love that connects us to Jesus, even if Jesus is not with us in the way that we're used to. Yeah. This is what we're called to be as people of faith, even when our pastors move away. Mm-hmm. Even when our, our worlds change. Even because, when our world changes. Because we, we make choices. We're talking about a choice that's often beyond our control, right? But we also experience this kind of thing when we have made a choice. Mm. And a good choice, a, a positive choice. I think of when you're talking to teenagers, going away to college. Yeah. Or going away into the military or whatever that choice is that takes them out of the, what we call the nest, you know? Right. And it comes with that change, but when we look at the reality of what remains important, no matter where we are, no matter what our choices have been, that doesn't change. Right. And when we hold that close, still far enough away we remember to read it, but we carry that into these new situations. 
I, I just think that's really important. I told another story by Peter Rollins, but we're getting a little long on the podcast. So okay. I'm not going to tell it right now. I'll probably so you can use save it, it for another occasion. I'll save it for the future. But the idea is that through all of these changes, when we hold on to this, these things that are important, through all of these changes, we are transformed, which literally means created through. Yeah. So we are created. And we know that God creates things that are. Oh, oh so, so very, very good. good. Yes. So we sort of trust God in the midst of that and in the midst of all these changes. And we hold on to these three things that are the most important. We check ourselves on them. We check each other on them. And that's one of the reasons why, friends and listeners, it's important for us to be in community. Oh, yeah. Because we can do this work better together than yeah. we can ever do it alone. Yeah. Even if we don't always agree with each other. Right. About what everything means. We can but, still, we can boil it down to these important things. And so often, it's not even that people like in community know all the stuff that's going on in your head, but that God is in the midst of your interactions. Yes. And so speaking to those things of that you're struggling with often happens in ways you don't expect. And and if you're not in community, you're probably going to miss them. Yeah. So that was that was the Saturday night sermon with the kiddos. Nice. And then on Sunday we wrapped up with what happens when things don't turn out the way you expect. And we <sighs> read the story of the three trees. If you don't know that story, you can find it online. It's an old folktale about three little trees whose lives do not turn out the way they expect, but they find through those circumstances, even then they experience presence of God. And so if that's really what we're about, then whatever our circumstances, we trust that God will be with us in the midst of them. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to topics we've been discussing today, we'd love to hear from you. We're available at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play and sundaymorningsleepin.com. So yeah, and the scripture today, we're out of uh, John John 14 and Micah 16. John 14, 11 through 20 and Micah 6, six something. something through 8. Yeah. Something, something in there. Chris was reading for the message. The music you're hearing is, right now is Take Me Higher by Jazar. So it's traditional at the end of a service for the pastor to give the congregation a blessing. So congregation, to steal a a phrase from Susan, you are saints. You are loved and no matter what you're going through right now, whether you're having big changes that you love or big changes that you're scared of, we know that God is present through all of them. We know that love is present through all of them, but love might not always look like what you think it does. So weigh the kids. (laughs) You figure out what is the most important thing. And then you hold on to that because it's what's going to connect you to community no matter what else is going on around you. And the homework is to go out and love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do. Because God thinks we are all oh so very good. good.